Welcome to the Primary Source Podcast. My name's Tom Bober. I'm a school librarian in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. This podcast is here to explore the uses of primary sources in K-12 libraries and classrooms. We'll dig into resources and teaching strategies, talk to educators who are utilizing primary sources and supporters of educators who curate these incredible items and use them in their work. I apologize that I haven't been able to post a new episode recently. I have been kind of inundated with some other work, not only school work, as we all have, but I had a chance to do some writing for a new book that I have coming out, and some more information will be out about that soon. I had a chance to write something for NCTE that I'm really excited about and proud of, and so when I find out a little more information about that. I'll share that with you also. But I also had a chance to work with some educators from a few different areas uh, in Delaware, in New York State, and in Idaho. And in each of those instances, there was something that kept coming up again and again. And that was that educators that I talked to regularly have not been made aware of chronically in America. And I know I had a chance to talk about it last week in reference to the newspaper navigator, the image search navigator that has come out as part of the Library of Congress Labs project. But I wanted to dig into just a couple of additional areas of Chronicling America today that I think get overlooked, and two areas that I think also are really important for educators and for students to know about. And both of those are actually off of the main page of Chronicling America, which is simply at chroniclingamerica.loc.gov. And just as a friendly reminder, Chronicling America is maybe the largest database, I'm not sure, but maybe the largest database of digitized newspapers. It is completely free. They are now sitting at well over 17 million digitized pages. At at this moment, 17,134,776, and it is growing week by week. And They span the ages from 1789 to 1963, totally searchable by text. And as we spoke about in the last episode, some of them, some of these pages are also searchable by images. But there's a few different areas off of this main page that I think you must be aware of as a librarian, as a teacher, if you're going to use this because of a couple of different reasons that we'll get into. And they are both just right underneath the page count in a short little list that is very easily overlooked. The first area is Chronicling America data visualization. It's going to show us what is actually in this database. And the second is recommended topics. So let me go through each of those briefly just so I can share with you what is there. So on Chronicling America data visualization, we're getting some visual representation of where these newspapers are coming from, what holdings they actually have. And so the first visualization is a shot that shows us where across the United States these newspapers are coming from, all across the United States, as a matter of fact. But you get to see that there's a really heavy population of these newspapers in the Ohio River Valley, um, in the Carolinas, it looks like, around down the southern Mississippi area as well. And then it starts to to fan out a little bit. But we also see newspapers in Hawaii and Alaska and going across the United States. It also gives you a county-by-county breakdown. And I think that this is helpful because you can start to see the 
density of where these newspapers are actually in certain states. So if I'm in Missouri, I can start to see that across that Missouri River line, there seems to be a large number of newspapers there that come from that area. And in some other areas as well of, the, of Missouri, I can see in other states that they are almost completely covered. And in some others like Wyoming and Georgia, they're pretty sparse. So if we're looking for something that is specific regionally to us, we looking at this and seeing where these pages are actually coming from, what newspapers, what counties are represented by these newspapers could be important to us. Another visualization it gives us is the what they call the temporal coverage. It starts to tell us what years are covered by these newspaper pages. And I think this is, is really important because I mentioned that I gave kind of these benchmark years, 1786 to 1963, I believe. And when I look at this, I see that really all the way up to the 1840s, there's really not a lot there. There's not as many pages as maybe you would expect or hope for. And then it just starts to incrementally increase and goes on the rise, peaks up in about the 19... 10s, 1920, and then it drops off pretty rapidly. And then through the rest of the, the 20th century up through 63, there's less, less number of pages there. Well, why is this important? First of all, we know that we've got that, that dip off in 23 because of copyright issues. And so we've got some newspapers just not made widely available through this medium at that date. But there are actually more newspapers from the 1930s, 40s, 50s than there are the 1810s, 1820s, 1830s, and before. So there's a pretty significant visual identity to what is actually available. And again, if we're looking for newspapers around a specific event and we know the date of that event, we have an idea of how much representation might actually be there based off of, of this visual guide. We start to see that broken down by state as well. And then we start to see ethnic press coverage is what is described next. So you've got ethnicities that are listed from African-American all the way to Yugoslavian and everything in between. And we get to see a visual map. Where are these showing up? So where do I see, for example, my African-American ethnic newspapers in the United States area? And I can start to see some visualizations of where that shows up as well. And as I continue to go down, I start to see how many newspaper pages are held in those different ethnicities. So German is by far the most with over 60,000 digitized pages. African-American is next, followed by French and Polish. And again, if I'm starting to look for, for example, that African-American perspective in their news reporting under a certain event, what's the likelihood that I'm going to find it given this visual representation of what is available. I have spoken with someone through the Ask a Librarian feature at the Library of Congress to see if there was a specific way that I can search for ethnicities in newspapers. And I was told that unfortunately there is not. What was suggested to me was that you can actually look through a list of newspapers organized by ethnicity and then you could search specifically through those newspapers if you wanted to, which might be a way to handle that. You can, though, search by language. So that is another piece that you're going to see here in the visual data here. You're going to see that the, the huge majority, over 16 and a quarter million of these pages are in English. And then we have a breakdown 
to all of the other languages that are represented. And there are quite a few, German, Spanish, Polish, Italian, quite a few others that are listed there as well. And you can start to see what is here. So this is something that I've shared with my world language teachers, that maybe they've got students who are extending their learning and searching through events in other languages other than English might be a way that they can extend some learning or might be a way that they can pair with another teacher at the middle school or the high school level. So this takes just a couple of minutes to scroll through, but what I think it does is it gives us an idea of what we can find on Chronicling America and what the likelihood is that we're going to find something. Again, if we know an event, where it took place and when it took place, if we want to search for specific regions of coverage around the news, this helps us do that. So who needs to know this? Well, from an educator standpoint, if I'm searching chronically in America, this might be something I want to have some understanding of. For me, often, that person's me. I, I'm the person who's searching chronically in America. Or I'm the person prompting my students to search chronically in America for a specific event or a specific topic of study. And so, again, if I know that they're likely to find something based off of this information, then I'm more likely to point them in this direction. If, though, I have students who are independently searching for a variety of topics and using a variety of sources, showing students this visualization of the data might be helpful for them to make a decision about whether Chronically in America could be a useful tool for them, or if instead another tool might be more useful. If they are searching around an event that's in the early 1800s or late 1700s, Chronicling America might not be the best choice or might be somewhere where they want to spend a little bit of time, but not a lot of time. If they're searching an event that happened in the United States that was in the late 19th or early 20th century, I would say Chronicling America would be a great choice based off of what I'm seeing here. And if they are looking for something regional, depending on where they're from, they can use these different breakdowns of states and counties and start to make decisions about whether they're likely to find something using Chronicling America that's going to meet their needs. So that's the first piece of Chronicling America I think everyone needs to take a close look at. I'll be honest with you, I had not taken a close look at it. And as I was talking with all these educators, I had just stumbled across it and it just became more and more of a great tool to show them what Chronicling America had to offer. Now, another area that I think is one that I've used for a long time, but I also think gets overlooked because it is not readily apparent is the topics page in Chronicling America. So it's in that same place right under the page count off of the main page. And when you click on it, you'll get a choice to search those topics by date range or by subject. And so I'll go ahead and search by subject and you get subject headings like African-American history, American enterprise, arts and education, crimes and trials of the century, natural wonders and disasters, politics, government and world leaders, public spirit exhibitions and celebrations, science, technology, and innovations, sports and American pastimes, struggle for human rights and freedoms, and then a breakdown of wars like the Civil War, World War I, other war-related page, and a list of women's history 
topics. So under each of those headings, there is a series of topics that are going to start to narrow in on either an individual or an event that was reported on somewhere in the time span that Chronicling America covers. So since I'm down in women's history, I'm going to go ahead and click on Golden Flyer Suffragettes. And by each of these, there's also a date, so you can start to see the chronology of what was actually happening. Some of the other ones under women's history, Alice Paul, Clara Barton, Dorothy Dix, The Flappers, Harriet Tubman, The Hello Girls. So you can start to see there's quite a variety of individuals in this case that are mentioned, Typhoid Mary, Queen Victoria, it's a long, long list. And I think the last time I counted, which actually was a couple of years ago, there were over 225 total topics that were covered in Chronicling America. So I'm, I'm going to click on Golden Flyer Suffragettes. And the reason is I actually had a chance to create this. This one was one that I created while I was at the Library of Congress as a teacher in residence. So I know it well, and I can speak to it. So when you click on any of these particular topics, you get a brief summary of information, which I think is so helpful for our students. So I love the idea of pointing students to a topics page in Chronicling America if they are studying that particular topic, be it for a big research report or building some contextual knowledge or extending knowledge, whatever the reason is, if they match up with a particular topic that's already there, we could use this and let students dive directly into this one specific topic. They get this contextual knowledge. It's usually two or three paragraphs, nothing too long, but enough to give them a little bit of background if it is completely uh, a new introduction for them to this topic. And to further expand out that contextual knowledge, right below those few paragraphs is a timeline. So they'll get the key dates that are going to be important to the person or the event that's being uh, written about. So for example, here with the Golden Flyer Suffragettes, this is about Nell Richardson and Alice Burke who traveled across the country in 1916 from New York to California to promote women's suffrage. And so we've got a little bit about them. So in the timeline with this particular example, it has not only key events from Nell and Alice's trip, but also some key moments within women's suffrage that are mentioned as well. So it might even broaden out that particular topic into a larger one to broaden that context for students, which again, I think is really helpful. So off of that page, off of that introductory page, you also have a tab for search strategies and selected articles. And within search strategies and selected articles, you have, as you would expect, a short little piece that gives some tips about searching so this is only the tip of the iceberg for students or teachers. They are going to be given in the selected articles, maybe eight to 12 different articles around this topic, but there could be hundreds or even thousands of articles. So how can I search for those more effectively? It gives some key search terms, might talk about narrowing down the date, might give some specific time period that you want to search within so that you grab the actual news report of the event and not reporting that took place much later. There could be a variety of search terms that the person who created this actually discovered through their process of searching for the selected articles that are listed right below that. And then for each of the selected articles, you simply get a title, 
the newspaper that it came from along with the state and the date, and then all of those are clickable and they will drop you right into that specific page where the article lives. Often you will have the keywords highlighted so that you can target directly in on that particular article. So if you have a newspaper page that has dozens of articles across it, you'll be able to target directly in, zoom in and start reading that article. Again, if you have students who have never used Chronically in America before, if you have students that are working on a project where they have some time restrictions, dropping them into a recommended topics page as opposed to just searching wildly across Chronically in America really is going to help them target in on their time. And then if they do have time to extend out into searching for additional articles, you have those search strategies that they'll be able to use as additional jumping off points. And that should make their searching more effective as well. So if you haven't realized this already, I love Chronically in America. It is one of my favorite resources by far. I use it regularly. And the reason that I wanted to share these two tips today is I think that these are two areas that are just overlooked and one of them was actually overlooked by me until really recently. And I think they both have an important place in preparing to use Chronically in America and then actually using Chronically in America. One thing I'll end with is I wouldn't necessarily let students of certain ages browse those recommended topics page because as I you might have heard earlier when I was going through the different topics, there's ones around murder and drug use and those types of things. And while those might be salacious and very interesting for our students, we might not want them getting distracted or it might not be appropriate for some of our students of certain ages, depending on who is actually using this uh, newspaper database. So you might want to point them directly to a specific recommended topics page so that they can start digging in right at that particular spot. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. I, I hope you become as much of a lover of Chronically in America as I am. I am going to get a chance in the next few episodes, I hope, I'm crossing my fingers and trying to make this happen, to get a chance to talk with some other educators who are using primary sources in interesting ways for great student learning. And they have reached out to me and said, hey, Tom, I'd love to be on the podcast and have a conversation with you and share what I'm doing. And I would love nothing more because when I get a chance to talk with other educators of any type, it always broadens my thinking. And so I'm looking forward to these conversations that are going to be coming up. Stay tuned in. Thank you for sharing this podcast. Thank you for following this podcast, subscribing to it, uh, giving it a, a great rating if it's something that you love. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon.